The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast are presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently early Monday morning, April 10th. Namorose is always Scott Rochelle once again going solo for this pod. And it should be a fun one because we do have a very important tournament to talk about as we do have the Masters 1000 event taking place in Monte Carlo, which is one of the most prestigious clay tournaments of the year not including the Grand Slam for the French Open, obviously, but still should be a very fun event. But I do have to address the elephant in the room first with regard to this event. Nadal has won this event 11 times and he will not be here because we know that he suffered an injury a couple months ago and there was some slim hope that he'd be able to return for this event to potentially win it for the 12th time. However, that was not the case as Nadal put those rumors to bed and he's officially out for the for the foreseeable future. They're hoping he's able to return for the French Open, but we will see. But either way, had to bring up the fact that an 11-time champion, Nadal, is not going to be playing in this event. And as a result, Djokovic is the massive favorite at even money. Now, I'll get into the outright odds in a second, but I did want to at least discuss the fact that Nadal is the most successful player here ever because he's the best clay court player of all time, obviously, and he will not be playing in this event. So sorry if you are a Nadal fan. It is what it is, and I had to bring it up. But anyway, before we actually get into any of the outrights and the quarter picks, do you want to briefly talk about how we did in the last episode and how we did on the outrights last week? So starting off with the lock and dog picks from yesterday's episode, overall was okay. Ended up splitting, won the lock with Baina on the money line at minus 130 and ended up losing on the dog as we had Kekmanovic on the money line at plus 190. For Baina, it was really the story of the entire tournament. He lost the first set and then came from behind. And we mentioned in the episode yesterday that we also thought Baina would probably lose a set and still win the match. We thought Baina in three had some value. I mentioned over two and a half sets at plus 135. That got there. I know that somebody reached out to me on Twitter and told me that he took Baina in the middle of the match at plus 300 after Baina dropped the first set. And that, of course, ended up winning. So Baina got the job done. I didn't think Moore was that bad. I just thought Baina wore him down over the course of the three sets. And I think Mueller somewhat ran out of gas and Baina was a little bit too s- stable and too consistent. And eventually Mueller just hit a couple unforced errors and some big points as Baina won another ATP title. I believe it was his second ATP title, his first in several years. But the point is good for Baina. I believe he was around 20 to one or 25 to one to win the event. So we were right about a long shot winning the event beforehand. Unfortunately, we picked the wrong guy. But yeah, just to confirm, it is the second title in Baena's career. He won in 2018 in Ecuador, and then he won yesterday in Marrakech. So his second career ATP title, both on clay. Congrats to him. And he ended up doing us a solid yesterday by beating Mueller. However, Kekmanovic got, I don't want to say destroyed because the second set went to a tiebreaker, but it was not good. Rude ended up winning comfortably, won the first set 6-2, and then ended up winning the final set 7-3 in the tiebreaker. But Rude really looked comfortable, and we thought that Kekmanovic was a guy who was playing great tennis leading up to the final, and Rude struggled against Hallis, struggled against Souza as well, but we'll focus on Hallis for a second, because not only did Rude drop a set in that match, he also took a medical timeout to deal with his neck, and I know he ended up getting it back together 
for the third set. He figured it out. But the problem was I was a bit concerned about Rude struggling physically based on how he's played in 2023 so far and with the medical issue he had against uh, Hallis in the semis. So I ended up switching gears and taking Kekmanovich, which did not work. Rude looked really good. The most successful tactic he used was the moon ball. He had a lot of lob shots as returns. And of course, he placed it perfectly right inside the baseline. But the point is, it seemed like it really messed with Kekmanovich's timing and it messed up with his rhythm. And then and that kind of allowed Rude to get an advantage in a lot of rallies because Kekmanovich wasn't doing enough damage with the moon balls that Rude was hitting. And as a result, Rude was able to really take command of a lot of points. And as a result, he won comfortably. But on the bright side, the transition over to the outrights, I mentioned how I switched gears and took Kekmanovich. It was because we took Rude to win the event before the event started. And we ended up winning with Rude to win the tournament at plus 250. On top of that, we won with Houston, ended up having Tiafo at plus 375. So we won two of the three tournaments. The problem was, as a whole, we really did not make much profit because the outrights in Marikic were absolutely atrocious. I think we went over in basically everything. I'm trying to think of what outright we even won. I can't think of one. Uh, I know I mentioned it was going to be a chaotic tournament. And as a result, a lot of the long shots that we ended up having, or a lot of the outrights we had, were long shots. So you probably didn't put a full unit on most of the bets that we ended up having. But at the end of the day, uh, Marikic was a mess. But Houston was the opposite, because we went 0 for 4, predicting semifinalists in Marikic. However, we did go 3 for 4 in predicting semifinalists in Houston. Now, at the time of recording, when we did the initial outright episode, there were no quarter odds out for Houston, but the matches, once again, were delayed for two, three days. So you probably could have taken a quarter bet on the Houston events because you had a couple days where nothing happened at the event. So if you did that, you cleaned house because we gave out a couple long shots. We had Echeverry to win the event at 19 to 1. We had Humphman at 29 to 1. And if you're taking each of them to win the quarter, that's going to be in the 4-5-1 range. You can make an argument Hoffman would have been closer to like 10 to 1, but or maybe 850, something like that. But the point is that kind of canceled out with our outrights from Marikic. And then you got a little bit of profit there in Estoril. So basically broke even last week despite winning two of the three tournaments by guessing the outright correctly. So could have been worse, could have been better. But for the sake of picking winners, we did pick two of the three winners. So it could be worse, and we'll keep it rolling here for Monte Carlo. But I've stalled long enough. I know a lot of you want to just get into the tournament. And as a result, we will get this show on the road. So starting off with the history of this event, uh, you have Sitsipas as the two-time defending champion, beat Fakina last year, and beat Rublev in 2021. Tournament did not happen in 2020. 2019 was Fognini. Very random winner there, but nice job by him. We know that, historically speaking, he was a very good clay court player, especially in two out of three set matches, and he beat Lahovich in the final. But to go through every other winner before that, I'm going to warn you right now, there's a lot of Nadal here. So Nadal won in 2018, 2017, 2016. Djokovic won in 2015. Wawrinka won in 2014. Djokovic won in 2015, and then Nadal won every year from 2005 to 2012. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about how good Nadal was at this event. Not only did he win it 11 times, he won it 11 times out of 14 years, which is just ridiculous. And he also lost in the final to Djokovic in 
2013. So he was in the finals all the time, but now, of course, he's not. However, I will point out that there have been a couple of Cinderella runs, which I kind of alluded to with the runner-ups there with Sitsipas because I mentioned Rublev and Fakina ended up being the runner-ups. Lahovic, uh, Nishikori was a good clay court player, so that's not a total shock, but I'm curious what his odds were back in the day. You had Ramos Vinolas, who made a final in 2017. Monfi made a final in 2016. Burdich made it in 2015. The point is you've had a couple... Burdich was a top 10 guy, but still. The point is you've had a couple of Cinderella runs that have fallen short. Fagnini, I want to say, was a Cinderella run, even though we know he's good on clay because of his tendency to short circuit. And as a result, the point is you can still find value even if you think Djokovic is going to win the event because he is the hefty favorite in this event. But there's no guarantee he's going to face off against another short odds guy in the final. You might see another 20 or 30 to one shot make it to the final and then fall a bit short. But anyway, to get into the actual uh, court breakdown, I just mentioned the outrights. Not exactly much to go through, historically speaking, with the outrights because you have chalk for the most part. You have Sitsipas, who is a top five player in the world. And I think when he's in form, a top five player in the world on clay, if you disagree, you can make a serious case that he's guaranteed to be in the top 10 on clay. But you have Nadal, Bunch, Djokovic, Warenko when he was in his prime. A lot of really good players. So that does benefit Chalk. But with the runner-ups here, you have had a decent amount of long shots make somewhat impressive runs. But to get into the actual speed of the court, Monte Carlo is one of the slowest events in the entire schedule. Of course, it's on clay, so it's automatically going to be relatively slow. But Monte Carlo is usually one of the two or three slowest courts in the entire schedule. So expect to see a lot of long rallies, a lot of breaks of serve. And that does explain why Nadal and Djokovic were so successful here, not just because of the fact they're two of the best players of all time, but because they were able to break serve all the time and they were able to wear down their opponents over really, really long, grueling rallies. And that's how they won. But to transition over into the odds here, Djokovic is the favorite at even money. You have Tsitsipas at around seven to one. Then you have Casper Ruud and Sinner, both at 11 to 1. Medvedev is 12 to 1. Rune is 14 to 1. Rublev is 22 to 1. Zverev is 22 to 1. Fritz is 25 to 1. And then you have the long shots here. You have Nori at 40 to 1. You have uh, Herkaz at uh, 50 to 1. Musay at 50 to 1. Munard 50 to 1. Dimitrov at 50 to 1. Uh, Diminor. At 50 to 1, Fakina at 50 to 1, Jari at 50 to 1. You get the point. So, simply put, I mentioned how there could be a long shot, so to speak, who can make a deep run. If it's going to happen, I think it'll be somewhere in the 20 to 40 to 1 range. So, plus 2,000 or plus 4,000 would be my range there for a potential Cinderella. I don't see a 50 to 1 shot or higher making it. Munar hasn't exactly been good enough lately. I don't think the serve's good enough. Musetti's been a head case. Herkaz got taken to a third set uh, tiebreak by Dejir yesterday. Phenomenal match, but Herkaz not exactly looked good on clay, so I will pass there. Dimitrov might be interesting, but of course, I don't trust him to win big matches, so I think eventually he'll run into somebody who he loses to. The one I'd be tempted by for a somewhat long shot here, not even someone, just as a long shot of 50-1, to one, would be Jari. And I know that he screwed us in Marikic last week, but still, 
I have to point out that Jari looked really good against Chorich yesterday. Now, Chorich has had a really bad 2023, but he's good on clay. He's got a good serve. 50-1 to 1 for a guy that won ATP clay event earlier this year, I think is tempting. So that might be a flyer I'll get back to in a second. But for the sake of the favorites in this tournament, I'm taking Djokovic, obviously. He's won the event several times, and he's the best clay court player in this event because Alcaraz is not in attendance and Nadal is not in attendance. So I will go with Djokovic. It's kind of insane that he is roughly even money and Sitsipas is the second favorite and he's $7 uh, more than Djokovic. Now, Sitsipas is the two-time defending champion and I'm not going near him with a 10-foot pole because Sitsipas has been underwhelming this year besides the Australian Open final run and I don't trust him in this event. Now, you can make an argument, 7-1, two-time champion, normally that's a great deal. Maybe. But based on his fitness and based on his lack of consistency, I just can't trust him at 7-1. to one. So I will skip the two-time defending champion, and I will not take Paz in my outright collection, but I will go with Djokovic at even money because I feel like I have to. He's so damn good, and I think that he's better than everyone else here, and he also is very experienced because he's been in this event for pretty much his entire career. So to quickly transition for a second, I mentioned Djokovic first because, as you know, I was going to take him. I'm sure a lot of you listen to the pod know that I was going to take Djokovic pretty much guaranteed. But I'm going to I'm gonna go to the quarter odds, and then I'm going to end up going back to the outrights uh, for the overall winner because I do want to talk about where the value might lie and then go from there. So Djokovic won the first quarter is minus 250. Sinner is 4-1. to one. I'm not picking anybody else. So obviously, I think Djokovic is going to win the quarter. So don't even bother. Give me Djokovic, and that's it. Not going to bet him to win the quarter at minus 250, but of course, I think he's going to win the quarter. Now, for the second quarter, this is where he gets some value and where I'm going to toss some guys in the garbage. Medvedev, no chance in hell at plus 220. Historically speaking, Medvedev is an awful clay court player who despises the surface. He constantly complains about it. So he even complained about Indian Wells because he thought that the hard court played so slow that it was basically like playing on clay, and Medvedev was miserable. So I'm out on Medvedev. I'm sure most of you were already, but I'm going to confirm that. I am out on Medvedev. I think he will lose pretty early in this event. Rune is interesting at plus 275 because he is very good on clay. The issue has been the cramping. He's had a lot of leg injuries this year, and I am concerned about his fitness level holding up over the course of this event. Now, to go through his actual draw, it is quite favorable because he has a buy in round one that faces off against Gasquet or team. Rune, Rune should beat either guy. Then you face off against either Nori, Sarundolo, Cressy, or Berrettini. Berrettini in most years would be dangerous, but he's been terrible this year, so I can't exactly give him out or at least view him as a threat. So Rune, I think, might have some value here since I am tossing Medvedev right in the garbage. However, I think the main value play I'm going to take here will be on Nori at 8-1. to one. Now, I will mention Zverev for a second because Zverev, I, I think, could potentially make a run here. However, I have to look at the overall draw. His draw isn't bad either. Faces Bublik, who's not good on clay either. Faces off against Agut or Krajinovic, and I think he should be both those guys. Then he has either Medvedev, Umber, or Sonigo. I think Sonigo might have a shot to actually beat Medvedev there. But the point is, I think Zverev should be favored against either guy he might face, and as a result, he might actually have a decent path to end up making the semis here. I know I've roasted Zverev in the past for how he was overvalued in the markets because of how underwhelming he looked or how 
just much he struggled physically with some of the deep runs he had to make in these events. But I think it's actually a good path for him. The thing about Rune, who I like, I'm not sure if there's enough value at 275 for a guy who physically has kind of fallen apart during long events. And I think you might end up seeing Rune struggle in the back half of this event. He might, he might make it to the round of 16, might, might make it to the quarters, but I am a little bit concerned that he will struggle as the match goes on, as the event goes on, if he finds himself in a third set, three hour match. So I think for the quarter outrights here, I might take a gamble and skip Rune. It might be painful long term, but I do think that you can make an argument there's some merit to it. Now, this is where it gets interesting because for the quarters, I am going to take Zverev at 380. I like the odds of 380 for the draw. And once again, he just faced off against Medvedev. He's had a long history against Medvedev, and Medvedev is horrible on clay. So I do think that Zverev would have the edge in that matchup here. But I do think that Zverev will be able to get past his first round opponent in uh sorry, just pulling it up in Bublik, because Bublik is horrible on clay. Then he'd he'd be able to get past Agut or Krajinovic, who have both struggled so far this season. And then probably Medvedev or Sonigo. So I think he's got a very good path. And then he'd face off against either Rune or Nori or Berrettini or any of those guys. So I do think that Zverev is in a solid spot to let the bottom half of the bracket kill each other. And then he has an underwhelming one seed in his section because Medvedev is really bad on clay. So I am tempted by uh, Zverev here at plus 380. I'm going to go with Nori at 8-1. to one. We saw him have a lot of success on clay earlier this year. Ended up making a final before losing to Alcaraz. Then he beat Alcaraz in Rio de Janeiro. So he does have a clay title this season. And I've roasted Nori for the terrible serve. However, on clay, most serves aren't that effective. So I do think Nori's got a pretty good draw here to end up winning this quarter at 8-1. to one. And my serious flyer, which I will give out for this quarter in particular, I do like Sonigo at 25-1. to one. I think Sonigo is good enough to really showcase his weapons on clay. He's Italian, so we know that he's familiar with the surface. And he has a matchup against Umber in the first round, which I do think he'll win because Umber is quite volatile. And then he has a matchup against Medvedev. Once again, Medvedev not good on clay. I do think that Sonigo has a pretty decent path at 25 to 1 to make some noise. I might throw a little bit on that, maybe a quarter unit, maybe a little tenth of a unit, something on Sonigo, because I think that his path is actually not that bad. But anyway, moving on to the third quarter. So a lot of action on the second quarter. I'm expecting a lot of chaos, and hopefully, knock on wood, Rune does not win the quarter. But either way, to move into the third quarter, you have Rude. As the favorite at two to one, you have Rublev at four fifty, Munard six to one, Diminor at nine to one, Kakanov at ten to one, Fakina at ten to one, Fuksovic at sixteen to one, Struf at sixteen to one, Murray at eighteen to one, Evans at twenty five to one, Zanchulp at twenty eight to one, and Ramos Vinolas at twenty eight to one. So, for starters, Rude, I have to consider. Now the problem is he did just play a final in his last tournament, which was yesterday, because he won the final in Estoril. So he has to travel, and he also might have to overcome fatigue. Now, luckily for him, because of the fact that he's one of the best clay court players in the world, he does have a bye in the first round. 
So he does have himself a little bit of extra rest. Then he faces off against either Fuksovic or Zanschulp, which should be competitive, but I do think that Rude will get it done. And then he faces off against either Diminor, Murray, Struff, or Ramos Vinolas. Probably Diminor, but you can make an argument maybe Ramos Vinolas, who has been good as a clay player his entire career. Plus, I mentioned before, Ramos Vinolas was a runner-up in this event a couple years ago. So Ramos Vinolas at... 28 to 1 to win the quarter. Maybe worth a flyer. 28 to 1 is kind of crazy. He faced off against Struff in the first round, and Struff's not exactly a great clay court player. Do I think Ramos is going to win the quarter? No. Do I think he'll be able to get you a decent hedge opportunity? Maybe. But I do think at the end of the day, there is some value in Ramos Vinolas at 28 to 1, uh, just because of the fact that he is still a solid clay player. Diminor would probably be a guy I'm tempted by. Uh, but is that nine and yeah, nine to one? That's probably worth something. Fakina, I want to make a case for because he was a runner up here as well, but he's a little bit too volatile for me, and I am concerned that he will end up getting upset by somebody because he'll hit too many unforced errors. But his first round match is also against Kakanov, and then he'd face off against Evans, most likely. So, not a favorable draw for Fakina. You're looking at Kakanov, then maybe Evans, and then maybe Rublev. I got a pass on Fakina. I don't think I can make a case there because his draw is that painful. But looking at Diminor as a matchup against Murray, Murray's not the same guy that he used to be. Then he faced off against either Struff or Ramos Vinolas. Not bad. And then a matchup against Rude, which you could argue you can start hedging from that point forward. Or maybe Rude is exhausted and he gets upset by Fuksovics or Zanschulp. Who knows? But I do think there's value on Diminor, so I'm going to give him out as well. So once again, the third quarter, give me Rude at plus 200. Give me Diminor at 9-1. to one, And I'll go with a long shot dart throw for maybe a tenth of a unit on Ramos Vinolas at 28-1. to one. If you want to take Rublev, you can. I'm just not going to do it. I think that he's going to look fine, but Rublev on clay is kind of a mixed bag. When he's good, he's good, but when he's bad, it can get really ugly. And I do think kind of what I said about about uh, Fakina, Rublev does have a somewhat difficult draw. Now, he does have a bye, which is going to help him out, but he faces off against Munar in the second round. Munar is a good clay court player. And then either Kakanov, Fakina, or Evans in the second round, and then maybe Diminor, uh, just not a great draw there for Rude, and I mean, not a great draw there for uh, Rublev. So I think that at the end of the day, I'm going to pass on, on Rublev, but if you want to skip Rude and take Rublev because of the fatigue angle, I don't mind that either, but I would not play Rude and Rublev. I would probably pick one or the other. So anyway, Moving on to the fourth quarter, you have Sitsipas at plus 120. You have Jari at, at uh, sorry, you have uh, 120 on Sitsipas, 450 on Fritz, 650 on Jari, 8 to 1 on Dimitrov, 10 to 1 on Leshika. You have 14 to 1 on Greek Spore, 14 to 1 on Warenka, 18 to 1 on Tiafo, and then a couple other serious long shots. So first things first, a lot of you might be tempted by Tiafo at 18 to 1. He just won a clay event. He's solid on clay, 18 to 1, good price. And I'm going to stop you there because you normally would be right. However, I do think this price is a little bit higher than it would be normally because of how much tennis Tiafo had to play 
over the last couple of days. Houston was so far behind that Tiafo has played two matches in each of the last two days. Played two matches on Saturday and then played two matches on Sunday. And now he's flying to play more tennis. He might be absolutely exhausted. So I am not going to pick Tiafo. I think that those odds are actually quite fair because of how unlikely he is to maintain physically and to get the job done. So Tiafo, I am going to pass on, but I started off with him because I'm sure a lot of you were tempted blindly to take a defending clay champion this past weekend to make a somewhat deep run. I'm not doing it. I think Tiafo might lose early, and I think he has a shot of maybe retiring mid-match if physically he can't keep up. But Tiafo is a guy who I'm writing off. Sitsipas is a is a worthy favorite because he's very good on clay and he's the two-time defending champion. However, once again, I don't feel great taking a guy at plus 120 when he's not in great form. I don't think there's enough value there, and I think that I have to look elsewhere. Now, his draw is interesting because he has a buy in round one. Then he's most likely going to face off against Zapata Marias. Could be Bonzi, but I'll assume it's Zapata Marias. He's not a great server, but Zapata Marias is really good on clay. And I think that he could give Sitsipas a run for his money. There's also some surface change because Sitsipas has played hard court and then has not played since Miami. So he might struggle a bit early on with the transition. Then, assuming he beats Zapata Marias, he'd face off against most likely Jari. And Jari is very good on clay. So I do think Sitsipas might be on upset alert there. And then Fritz is not very good on clay. So I think that he's a lost cause. You can argue Greek Spore or maybe Dimitrov, but the point is, I don't think Sitsipas has a great draw in his first two matches in particular. Now, if he gets past the first two matches, I think he's got a good shot to make a deep run. But facing off against Zapata Marias, Bonzi's not bad on clay either, but I'll lean to Marias there. But Marias followed by Jari in your first two clay matches in a while, not ideal. So I'm going to skip Sitsipas. There's not enough value there for me. Now, to mention the Actual guys I am tempted by, Jari at 650, I have to mention. I know he screwed us over last week, but 650 for a guy who I know can serve well on clay, for a guy who I know has talent on clay, I think it's a good price. And to look at his draw here, Jari already beat Chorich yesterday, and he dominated 6263. He's going to face off against either Lahovich or Papyron. Now, Lahovich is very good on clay. But he was a lucky loser in this event, so he's not exactly in great form, so keep an eye on that, and Papyron might be able to beat him. But Lahovich is a guy who could maybe make a run if you want to make a seriously uh, decent long-shot case at 18-1, to but I think Jari's serve is going to be the, the difference maker here. He also has an extra day of rest because he was able to beat Chorge yesterday. So give me Jari at 650, and... I really, really want to make a case for Dimitrov. Like, I really want to. But that goes against everything that I've stood for on this podcast. He's got a good draw. I really can argue with the draw. Based off against Shelton in the first round, Shelton is really so inexperienced on clay, and team destroyed him. So I don't have any faith in Shelton there. I think Dimitrov should beat him. Leshika and Tiafo. I'm assuming Leshika because Tiafo is going to be exhausted. You know what? For the jokes alone, I actually find value on the guy. Give me Dimitrov 8-1. to one. I think he'll get blasted in the semis, but I'll, I'll pick him to get there at 8-1. to one. And my long shot, so to speak, in this 
actual quarter would either be Lahovich or Zapata Marias. So keep that in mind. I don't think I'm going to give out either of those guys, but I do think that you can argue, you can make a case for either guy. So my two outright picks here for the fourth quarter are going to be Jari at 650, and I'm going to take Dimitrov at 8-1. to one. And just to quickly confirm, they would not cross paths until the quarterfinal. So there is a chance you end up having Jari against Dimitrov in the quarters, and you automatically win. But those are going to be my two outrights. I thought about Zapata Marias, but if Sitsipas doesn't look sharp, then you're in trouble at 20-1. to 1. And Lahovich does have to face off against Jari, and he is a lucky loser here, so he has been struggling a bit lately, but he's also a former runner-up here, so we know he does have the talent to potentially make a run here. Actually, you know what? The more I talk about it, the more I'm talking myself into it. Lahovich did lose in three sets to, um- to Umber in Monte Carlo, but before that, he has been playing well on clay, and we saw him give Alcaraz a run for his money on occasion there on clay. I think I have to do it, so I'm going to re... I'm going to reconsider my stance. My outrights for the fourth quarter are going to be on Jari at 650, Dimitrov at 8-1, to one, and I'll take Lahovich at 18-1 to one as an insurance policy because Jari's a head case, and I could see Lahovich beating him. So I think that Lahovich could potentially take the path that I thought Jari would have, and as a result, you might get a pretty deep run there by Lahovich. So once again, to go through all of the quarters, I'm going with Djokovic in the first quarter, He's minus 250. I'm not really going to bother. So I'm going to ignore the first quarter. Second quarter, I'm going to ignore Medvedev and Rune. Rune is a dangerous move, but I'm going to ignore him. Give me Zverev at 380. Give me Nori at 8 to 1. And give me Sunago at 25 to 1. For the third quarter, give me Rude. You can argue Rude or Rublev, but I'll lean to Rude. So give me Rude at plus 200. Give me Diminor at 9 to 1. And. A really, really small sliver on Ramos Vinolas at 28 to 1. In the fourth quarter, give me Jari at 650, give me Dimitrov at 8 to 1, and give me Lahovich at 18 to 1. Now, going back to the actual winner of the event, I mentioned Djokovic already. Sitsi Pass, I'm not taking. Rude at 11 to 1. I think it's probably worth it just because of how good he is on clay. I know it was an ATP 250, and he didn't exactly beat many great players there, but for confidence purposes, it might have been what Rude needed. And in years past, Rude has been able to just win a clay event, play the next week, win again, and he keeps doing it for about a month. I think Rude's stamina is good enough to hold up, and he also has the buy, which helps. But his draw is quite favorable. So I think that Rude is a good path here, and I think that 11 to 1 is a good price. So give me Rude at 11 to 1 to get the job done. I thought about Sinner, maybe, but he's in Djokovic's quarter, so I can't do that. Uh, Medvedev, of course, I'm skipping. Rune, I'm skipping. Rublev, 20 to 1's not bad, but no, I don't think he's going to win it. Zverev at 20 to 1, I don't think he's going to win it either, but I think he could make a somewhat deep run. Nori, I will give out. At 40 to 1. I think there is some value on Nori. I know he's capable of getting deep in clay events with decent fields as well. And I do think that Nori has a decent path to make a run because I just talked about the fact that Nori is in uh sorry, he's in Medvedev's quarter, and that's the quarter you want to take a long shot with. So give me Nori to get the job done in the event as well. 
And if you wanted the serious, super duper long shot, Jari at 50 to 1. You can make a case for Lahovich at what is Lahovich? Like 100 to 1, 120 to 1. What is he at? Um, I see Sonigo at 200 to 1, which makes me laugh. Where is Lahovich? Is he even on the list? They might just not even have him listed because he's that big of a long shot. Yeah, I don't even see him listed. So I don't have Lahovich odds. Let me see if there's anything else. I see Lahovich at 125 to 1. But once again, I, I don't think Sonigo at 200 to 1. Maybe. I, I mean, I'd rather take the quarter probably 25 to 1. But anyway, I'm not going to give out Sonigo or Lahovich. But if you want to put a dollar on it to win 200 or something stupid, you can end up taking Sonigo at 200 to 1 and Lahovich at like 125 to 1. But my serious outrights, my official picks to win the event will be Djokovic at even money. It will be Root at 11 to 1. And I will also go with Nori at 40 to 1 and Jari at 50 to 1. And that's going to wrap it up for my picks. But anyway, it's going to wrap it up for the outright portion. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. But as always, before we actually get into that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pairs that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays also offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses, right? Every pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after purchase. And on top of that, they have a great deal for you right now, exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of Polaroid sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200 thousand people. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're also doing best ball drafts already for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for an 100% deposit bonus up to $100. UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the outrights for the Monte Carlo tournament. Now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks on matches. So first things first, I do want to at least discuss my thought process behind the picks that I made. I realize that since I am recording this roughly at 2 in the morning or so Eastern time, some of the matches are going to be starting in about 3 to 4 hours. So as a result, I only did one pick that's going to be from today's action and the other picks going to be from tomorrow. So starting off with the lock, this match will actually be taking place on Tuesday and will be in a matchup between Shelton and Dimitrov. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take Dimitrov to win comfortably. I'm going to go with Shelton to not win a set at minus 148 on FanDuel. A couple reasons why I'm going to take that. First reason, Shelton really has no clay experience whatsoever. He was able to beat Les Tien last week, but then ended up losing immediately to Dominic Team. And Team, we know, has been in horrible form. So Shelton has no experience on clay. Dimitrov is very good on clay, historically speaking. In his career, 137 and 88. So he's 61% win percentage on clay. He also made the Monte Carlo semis last year 
made the Monte Carlo round of 16 in 2021. He's historically speaking, been good at this event, and Shelton has no clay experience at all. I think Dimitrov, with his slice, is going to really annoy Shelton by prolonging a bunch of points, making Shelton run around, and I do think the slice will be the story of this match. Give me Dimitrov to win comfortably, but I do think that as a result, Shelton will lose in straight sets. So give me Shelton not to win a set at minus 148 on FanDuel, and that will once again be taking place on Tuesday. And now for the dog, this will be a Monday play. So I'm not sure how many of you are actually going to listen to this before the match starts, but I'm hoping based on the schedule that this will be one of the later matches, and then perhaps you might be able to have a delay if one match goes along and pick up a couple extra hours to listen to this podcast before betting it. But looking at the actual, uh, let me just see what the time projection is for this match here, uh, if I even see it. Uh, this one's supposed to take place at around 6 a.m. Eastern time, so maybe you'll be able to get this one at like 8 if one of the earlier matches goes long. But anyway, it's going to be in a matchup between Gakov and McDonald. And for this matchup, going to take Gakov on the money line at around plus 148. Couple reasons why I'm going to take Gakov to get the job done. Main reason, McDonald really, really bad on clay in his career. So far in his career, he is 22 and 26 straight up on clay. In the past uh, year, he's four and five on clay. And he's also never played a match at Monte Carlo. So this will be the first time that he's actually been in the main draw here. And I think he should struggle as a result. Meanwhile, you have Gakov, who is a pretty steady clay player, either in the future circuit or the challenger circuit. But you're looking at his clay record in his career. He is the definition of a clay court specialist because he has a record on clay in his career of 334 and 197. In the last year, he is 54 and 25 on clay. So the win percentage in his career on clay, 63%. Win percentage on clay in the last year, 68%. Now I know level of competition, much weaker than McDonald. I get it. But the point is, based on how low these odds are, the fact that McDonald has no clay experience really or any success in his career, and the fact that you can still get a good price on the dog, I think is quite tempting. And you might expect McDonald to be a bigger favorite because Gakov, once again, is an unknown player. I'm sure most of you never heard of him. And yet the money line is only plus 148. It seems like they're expecting McDonald to struggle. I agree. And I think you'll end up seeing Gakov get the job done. Not to mention the fact that Gakov did go through qualifying. He had a couple of really interesting matches with a bunch of breaks of serve. Ended up getting through, uh, just to go through the order of who he faced off again. Sorry, just pulling it up quickly. Uh, so in his first qualifying match, ended up going up against Manorino, and he won that one in three sets. 1-6-6-0-6-1. So very interesting match there where you almost played the bare minimum in games. That match actually might have gone under the total, and it went three sets, which is crazy. And then he had another qualifying match against Van Acha, and that ended up going 6 3 Zero six six two. So the point is, he is kind of all over the place with his overall sets. Sometimes he'll win a set six nothing. Sometimes he'll lose a set six nothing. But he's familiar with the courts here, and he's very good on clay. And I think as a result, 
there is a good reason why McDonald is not a bigger favorite against a guy that you probably never heard of entering this podcast. So for me, the dog as a result is going to be on fading McDonald, and I'm going to go with the relative unknown here at plus 148 in the money line. So once again, I'm just quickly checking to see if I could find a better price on Gakov. Sorry, let me just quickly check. Um, okay, so I found 148 is the best price. So once again, the lock for the show is going to be on Ben Shelton, not to win a set at minus 148 against Dimitrov, and my dog will be Gakov on the money line against McDonald at plus 148. That's going to wrap it up for the show. We're back once again later in the week, either for the quarters or the semis. And you can find me on Twitter at Show Radio. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.